Notice that there is not an author named for this psalm, but you need to know that a lot of scholars believe this is another Davidic psalm that David wrote it. The reason they believe that is because the first three verses line up with Psalm 31, which we know is a Davidic psalm. And so they take those connections and some other verses as well and say, these line up with David's psalms. David probably wrote this. Or another person wrote this and borrowed from the psalms that David had already written. So we don't know for sure who wrote it, but it definitely has a Davidic feel to it because it talks about enemies. And again, all of David's psalms almost talk about enemies, right? And trouble. And, And we see the psalmist here calling out, to the Lord. And what I want to do tonight is I want to give you four powerful prayers to pray based upon this psalm, all right? Not word for word from this psalm, even though you can take these words and use them word for word. But I think there are four prayers that you and I can pray that are based upon the the thoughts, uh, the truths of this psalm. So four powerful prayers to pray. Here's the first prayer. Oh God... Help me. Oh God, help me. That's pretty simple, isn't it? Oh God, help me. We just read together where he is asking God for help. He says, Be to me a rock of refuge, verse 3, to which I may continually come. You have given me the command to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Rescue me, O my God, from the hand of the wicked. Look what he says in verse 7. I've been as a portent, uh, an example to many. But you are my strong refuge. My mouth is filled with your praise and your glory all the day. Do not cast me off in the time of old age. Forsake me not when my strength is spent. For my enemies speak concerning me. Those who watch for my life consult together and say, God has forsaken him. Pursue and seize him. For there is none to deliver him. He's here asking for God's help. Uh, Rescue me. Save me. Deliver me from my enemies. Now, what can we learn from that that thrust in this psalm, we can learn that we need to pray prayers like that. When we find ourselves in trouble or when we have needs in our life, we should pray, oh God, help me. It's like the old hymn, uh, Lord, I need you, right? Need thee every hour is the way the old hymn goes. I need thee every hour. And that's basically what the psalmist is saying here. Uh, We need, you and I need to maintain dependence upon God. Now, I don't know about you, but there are times I think about my own life, my little small corner of the, of the globe, and I get overwhelmed with all of the responsibilities I have. Like, I just think about, you know, being a husband, being a dad, you know, four kids. I think about being a pastor, you know, leading a, a church, a great church like Longview Point. Uh, I think about being a son, being a friend. I, I just think about the, the different callings on my life and how, uh, you know, I, I'm weak. I, you know, I, I need help. And when I think about uh, all the different responsibilities I have and, and it, it can seem overwhelming, it's a reminder of how much I need God. And you and I should maintain dependence upon God because dependence honors God. Dependence honors God. He, he loves it when we recognize that we need Him. And he's offended when we act like we don't need him. Do you know that? I was reading this morning in my uh, time alone with God in Isaiah 31, I think it's 31, 32, 33, somewhere right in there. 
and uh, he's he's speaking to Israel, and he is angry. God is angry with them because instead of coming to him for help, they went to Egypt. And they tried to get Egypt to help them in a military alliance against some other enemies. And the Lord is angry. Why did you go to Egypt? Don't you know, I'll help you. I'll be your helper. Why in the world would you not come to me? And so dependence honors God. Self-sufficiency angers God. Now, let's just back up for a minute. How do we know if we are dependent or self-sufficient? And one of the key markers in my life and your life has to be prayer, right? Pray, think about this. Prayer is the ultimate expression of dependence. Because when you pray, you're saying, God, I can't handle this. I can't do this. I need some help. I'm calling in the Calvary, right? I'm, I'm coming to you for help. And when you don't pray, what you're basically saying to God is, I got it, right? Now, none of you would never say to the Lord, I don't need you, God. But when you don't pray, that's exactly what you're saying. Right? When you're prayerless, you're just saying, I got this. I've, I've got enough to figure it out. I'll pick myself by the bootstraps. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll try to do my best and kind of get, get through it. But, but when you don't pray, pray, that is the ultimate expression of self-sufficiency. And God, as your Father, desires for you to come to Him in dependence and, and pray those songs. Oh God, help me. So what are some reasons that you and I are hesitant to go to God for help? At least three reasons. Number one is just pride. Right? Just pride. Verse 4, he says, Rescue me, O God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of the unjust and cruel man. So he had to admit, I'm not strong enough the enemies that I have are stronger than I am. And a lot of times, we don't go to God for help because we want to think we're strong enough and smart enough to figure it out, right? And, and, and pride can keep us from going to God for help. Another thing that can keep us from going to God for help is forgetfulness. Look in verse 5. For you, O Lord, are my hope, my trust, O Lord. Watch this next phrase. From my youth. Verse 6, upon you I've leaned from before my birth. God, you were watching out for me before I was even born. He says, you are he who took me from my mother's womb. My praise is continually of you. So the psalmist here looks back and says, God, you've been good to me. You have helped me. I've needed that help and I need your help again. But when you and I find ourselves living a self-sufficient life, it's as if we've forgotten what God has done, how God has helped us in the past. And when we forget his past work, we forget how much we needed him yesterday, we will be less prone to asking for help today. Let me give you another reason that we are hesitant to go to God for help. We think God is unconcerned. We think God is unconcerned. Verse 6, basically what the psalmist is saying is, God, you were with me before I was born. You know me, you formed me, you made me, you brought me from my mother's womb. You're concerned with me, little old me. And because he knew God was concerned with him, he was willing to pray. Many times you and I do not pray because we think God really isn't that concerned with what's going on in our neck of the woods. 
right? You ever had this thought? God is too busy running the universe to worry about my little stuff. You ever had that thought before? Now listen, when you say that or think that, you're demeaning the power and wisdom of God. He's, listen, he's all-powerful. He's, he's all-wise. He can handle the universe and your stuff too, right? But, but there's something in us, oh, I don't want to bother God. Listen, he tells you, come to me. Ask, seek, knock. I'm your father. I want you to come to me. And so, when we think God is unconcerned, we don't go to him in prayer. But the psalmist here says, God, I know you're concerned. You've been with me from before my birth. I know you love me. I know you're concerned about me. I know you know me. So I'm going to bring my concerns, my needs to you. And so, first prayer that we can learn to pray based upon the psalm is, Oh, God, help me. Listen, when was the last time you asked for God's help? When was the last time you expressed your need for him, your dependence upon him? It honors him when you do. It angers him when you don't. Or disappoints him when you don't. As a father is disappointed by a child. Number two, another prayer to pray when, uh, that we learn from this psalm is, Oh God, my hope is in you. Look in verse 5. For you, O Lord, are my what? For you, O Lord, are my... Hope. Then look in verse 12. Oh God, be not far from me. Oh my God, make haste to help me. May my accusers be put to shame and consumed with scorn and disgrace. May they be covered who seek my hurt. But I will hope, there it is again, continually and will praise you yet more and more. Oh God, my hope is in you. You know, hope is a powerful thing. And, 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 and when you have it, it, it boosts your spirit. It keeps you... Uh, it helps you to keep on keeping on, but when you are hopeless, that's a miserable place to be. And, and by the way, just a quick word, we are surrounded by hopelessness in our world. People are hopeless. They need to understand there is hope found in the Lord. And, and the psalmist here is saying, basically, God, my hope is in you. I'm, I'm surrounded by enemies, but my hope is in you. How can we have hope in our life? Well, hope comes when you know God is near. Look in verse 12. Oh God, be not far from me. Be not far from me. When you know God is near, no matter what you're going through, that gives you hope, right? Hope comes when you know God is strong. Look in verse 15. My mouth will tell of your righteous acts, of your deeds of salvation all the day, for their numbers past my knowledge. With the mighty deeds of the Lord God I will come. I will remind them of your righteousness alone. And so he's speaking here of God's might, his strength. He's... he's uh, Speaking of God's power, which is uh, limitless, he's omnipotent, and hope comes you know God is strong. In other words, no matter what you're going through in life, you know God's big enough to handle it. Amen? Third, hope comes when you think of God's help in times past. Verse 20, look what he says. You who have made me see many troubles and calamities will revive me again. From the depths of the earth, you will bring me up again. You will increase my greatness and comfort me again. <laughs> so the psalmist looks back and says, you've helped me there, you helped me here, you helped me over there. You've been faithful in the past, and I know you'll do it again. Hope comes when you uh, remember God's faithfulness in your life. And so the first prayer is, oh God, help me. The second prayer is, oh God, my hope is in you. A third prayer is this. I want to spend a little time here. Oh God, I care about the next generations. 
use me. Oh God, I care about the next generations, those coming behind me. Use me. Look in verse 15. The psalmist here says, My mouth will tell of your righteous acts, of your deeds of salvation all the day, for their number is past my knowledge. With the mighty deeds of the Lord God, I will come. I will remind them of your righteousness, yours alone. O God, from my youth you have taught me, and I still proclaim your wondrous deeds. So, Now watch this. So even to old age and gray hairs, O God, do not forsake me. Why? Until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those to come. What a powerful perspective. The psalmist here basically says, God, I want you to keep on helping me to be strong so that I have time and wherewithal to share the knowledge of you with those coming behind me. Oh God, I care about next generations. Use me. Why should we seek God, now think about this, for help, healing, and strength as we age? How many of you have ever shared a prayer request concerning your health? Raise your hand. Yeah, all of us in here. Um, How many of you have ever asked God for physical strength as you age? May I ever ask God for physical strength? Um, Have you ever thought why we do that? Why do we want God to heal us? Why do we want God to help us? Why do we want God to give us strength? Well, the psalmist here says this. I want you to give me strength so that we can pass on the knowledge of God to those who come behind us. So not not just heal me so I can feel better, but heal me so I have more time to make much of you. Heal me so I can tell others, the next generation, of how good you are of how righteous you are, of how holy and faithful you are. God, give me that healing. In other words, we should ask God for strength and for healing with a purpose. Not just so I can feel better, but so I can be used by you to tell others about you, particularly the next generations. Let me tell you what I see in in American Christianity today. I see a frightening lack of concern for the next generations. A lot of what's going on in churches today is, hey, how can I be more comfortable? How can I have my preferences met? And as long as I'm comfortable and my preferences are met, I don't really care too much about the young folks. And that, that, that attitude is frightening. Because if... The older generations aren't telling the younger generations about Jesus. Who is? They're not getting it from the media. They're not getting it from the political realm. They're not getting it from most of their sports heroes. Where are they getting it from? It's got to come from us. Right? Those who know the Lord and have a desire to pass on that knowledge to the next generations, the millennials and the the, the Y generation, those, those, those coming behind us, we should have that desire to tell them about the one true God, how good he's been to us, how good he will be to them. Now let me show you a picture of this lack of concern found in 2 Kings. Look in 2 Kings with me. 2 Kings chapter 20. Look in verse 12. 
King Hezekiah had some great spiritual victories. Surrounded by enemies, he prayed to God. God gave him victory over Sennacherib and the Assyrian army. He was about to die. He prayed. God gave him more time. So there are some real highlights in his life. But look what happens in verse 12. At that time, Merodach Baladan, the son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent envoys with the letters and a present to Hezekiah, for he heard that Hezekiah had been sick. And Hezekiah welcomed them, and he showed them all his treasure house, the silver, the gold, the spices, the precious oil, his armory, all that was found in his storehouses. There was nothing in his house or in all his realm that Hezekiah did not show them. Then Isaiah the prophet came to King Hezekiah and said to him, What did these men say? And from where did they come to you? And Hezekiah said, They have come from a far country from Babylon. He said, What have they seen in your house? And Hezekiah answered, They have seen all that is in my house. There is nothing in my storehouses that I did not show them. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord. Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house and that which your fathers have stored up till this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, says the Lord And some of your own sons who shall be born to you shall be taken away and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. Now what's the big deal here? Why is judgment coming to Hezekiah's household? Because Hezekiah was exhibiting a certain level of pride in showing the envoys from Babylon all his things. And probably what he was doing is showing them his greatness, not the greatness of God who blessed him. And, and God speaks a word of judgment through Isaiah. So look at Hezekiah's response. Now remember what he just said. Your sons are going to be affected. Your descendants are going to be taken to Babylon as judgment. Look what it says in verse 15, or in verse 19. Then Hezekiah said to Isaiah, The word of the Lord that you have spoken is good. What? Good? For he thought, why not if there will be peace and security in my days? long as I can live my life out comfortably, I'm not that concerned about where my kids are going to spend their life. I'm not concerned about them going to Babylon. As long as it doesn't affect me, I don't care about them. A frightening lack of concern for the next generation. That's striking. He would have that kind of attitude, not caring about his own sons. Psalm 71, God, would you give me strength? Don't forsake me. Rescue me from my enemies so that I can tell the next generations of your strength and your might, your strength and your power. James Montgomery Boyce says this, For not only did he look to the past to remember God's goodness and faithfulness to him over the many long years of his life, he also looked to the future in terms of the work yet remaining to be done. He knew, now watch this, if God had left him in life and had not yet taken him home to be with him in glory, it was because there was work to do. Everybody look at me for a moment. The reason you woke up this morning is because God has work for you to do. When your work's done, you're going to be in heaven. As soon as God's ready, He's going to take you on to heaven. Amen? And heaven's better than here. That's why Paul said, to live is Christ, to die is gain. If if I live longer, I get to serve Jesus more. But if I go to heaven, I go to heaven. Heaven's better than here. But if you're here, if your heart is beating, it's because God has work for you to do. And if your your work, your focus is not on the next generations, then you're missing missing what God has for you. You're missing a major emphasis in the Bible that we take what's been given to us 
and we pass it on to those coming behind us. The old Steve Green song says, May all who come behind us find us faithful. May the fire of our devotion light their way. May the footprints that we leave lead them to believe and the lives we live inspire them to obey. May all who come behind us find us faithful. Are you, do you want God to use you for the next generation? I heard a a pastor uh, say this this past week, John Avent. Matter of fact, John Avent's preached here before. And John Avent said, "I I have a really simple goal in life. He said, my goal is to live until I'm at least 80. He said, when I'm 80, my goal is to be a member of a church where I hate everything except the Word of God. It's so different than what I'm used to and accustomed to It's so focused on other generations that I'm uncomfortable there. But the word's being preached and people are getting saved and generations are hearing the gospel. He said, that's the kind of church I want to be in when I'm 80. I thought, that's kind of a cool goal, isn't it? What if you're in a church where nothing's familiar but people are getting saved? Would that be okay with you? What if publication dates of songs is just not that big of a deal. Right? Um, can I remind you of this? Talking about old songs. There was a time when Amazing Grace was a new song. Right? I mean, it's been around for a while, but there was a day when someone sang it for the first time in church. I bet there are people saying, I don't like that new song. That Amazing Grace. Right? I mean, all the old songs were at one time new songs. Somebody had to write them. Somebody had to sing them for the first time. And a lot of the songs that you're singing now that are new songs, I don't like that new song. Guess what? 50 years from now, they're going to be singing it. It's going to be a church favorite. Right? And, And so listen, the focus should not be on publication dates or my preference. Folks should be on, am I being afforded the opportunity to sing Christ-honoring, biblically-based lyrics that honor God and express to Him how great He is. And if you're getting that opportunity, you're in a good church. And hey, you're in a good church. Travis does a great job giving us songs to express our love to Jesus with. And, and so, listen, I, we, you got, I got preferences, you got preferences. If you saw my playlist on my iPhone, you'd be, um, you'd be astounded by some of the things I listen to. All right, And uh, if I was in your vehicle listening to your stuff, I'd probably be astounded at what you're listening to. We, we've got different backgrounds, different stuff. But listen, where's your focus? It needs to be on the next generation. That's why you're here, to pass on what's been poured into you. Claire shared with me a, uh, a uh, story from the Bible study that she's involved in on Wednesday mornings with our women's ministry here. And uh, it was about a lady named Miss Brown. Some of you have been, in, if you're in the morning Bible study, you've heard this. But uh, Miss Brown was a faithful Christian senior adult in her church. She had been in that church for decades. She'd been to every Bible study. She was there every time the doors were open. She'd been to every Bible conference, every revival. I mean, Miss Brown, she was a Bible scholar. She had so much Bible poured into her. And finally, the pastor 
went to the women's ministry leader, listen to this, and said, I don't want Miss Brown in any more Bible studies. Don't sign her up. She come, don't, don't sign her up. He said, I want her teaching somewhere. So they put Miss Brown in a uh, girls' teenage Sunday school class. This senior adult, and she began just to teach those girls and answer their questions and share life experiences and love on those girls, and something dynamic began to happen. Her class began to grow, and, 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 and she marked so many young ladies' lives that when you had Miss Brown for a teacher, when you were through that class, you were known as a brownie. A brownie. Why? There had been so much poured into her. It was time for her to pour out some of that onto somebody else. She, she, she knew more Bible than anybody. But when she began to share it with that next generation, powerful things began to happen. And so, oh God, I care about the next generations. Use me. I care about the next generations. Use me. I want you to know that our godless society is going after the next generation. Fervently. Marketing, media, you name it, entertainment, they are uh, social media, technology, they are going after the next generation. Will the church go after the next generation? That's the question, isn't it? Psalmist here says, hey, Lord, don't forsake me. Even when I'm old and gray, don't forsake me until I pass on the knowledge of you to the next generation. But there's one final prayer here I want you to see. First prayer, oh God, help me. Oh God, my hope is in you. Oh God, I care about the next generations. Use me. But fourth, oh God, I will praise you continually. Look back in Psalm 71, verse 6. Upon you I've learned, uh, leaned from before my birth. You are he who took me from my mother's womb. My praise is continually of you. Look in verse 19. Your righteousness, O God, reaches the high heavens. You have done great things, O God, who is like you. You have made me see many troubles and calamities. Will, uh, will you revive me again from the depths of the earth? You will bring me up again. You will increase my greatness and comfort me again. I will also praise you with the harp for your faithfulness, O my God. And so we learn, based upon this psalm, that we can pray this prayer. God, based upon your help and your hope, I will give you some hallelujah. I will praise you continually. Now notice the intensity of his praise in verse 22. I will praise you with the harp for your faithfulness, O oh my God. I will sing praises to you with the lyre, so there's musical instruments involved. Um, o oh holy one of Israel, my lips will shout for joy. When I sing praises to you, my soul also, which you have redeemed. My tongue will talk of your righteous help all the day long. So the psalmist here is excited. He's praising him with intensity, exuberance. He's playing lyres and harps and shouting praise to God. The intensity of his praise. And then notice the reasons for his praise. Number one, God is perfect. Verse 19, your righteousness, O God, reaches the high heavens. Verse 22, I will praise you with the harp for your faithfulness, O my God. So he speaks of God's righteousness, his perfect character, and his faithfulness, his trustworthy character. And so if you need a reason to praise God, hey, God's perfect. He's worthy of your praise. 
Not only is God perfect, but God moves in powerful ways. Look in verse 19. Your righteousness, O God, reaches the high heavens. You who have done great things, O God, who is like you. He speaks of God doing great things. God moves in powerful ways. And we need to recognize that and praise Him for that. If you just read the Bible, you see how God has moved in powerful ways. If you look at human history, church history, you see how God has moved in powerful ways. If you look at your own life, you can see how God has moved in powerful ways. Amen? He's a... He's a mountain-moving, transforming God. And we should praise Him for His powerful ways, His mighty works, all that He has done. And there's a final reason for His praise. God is perfect. God moves in powerful ways. But third, there is no one like our God. Look at verse 19. You who have done great things, O God, who is like you? Answer, nobody. Nobody. God's the only one who is Perfect and omnipotent and creator and redeemer. There's no one like him. He deserves our praise and all of our praise and our worship. So those are the reasons for his praise. So when you read Psalm 71, hopefully it's an impetus, it's uh, an encouragement for you to pray. The psalmist here is, is, is crying out to God. And, and it gives us some guidance into the kind of prayers we need to pray. Oh God. Help me. Oh God, my hope is in you. Oh God, I care about the next generations. Use me. And oh God, I will praise you continually. I love the passage where Jesus rides in to Jerusalem on Palm Sunday and people are crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord and they're saying things about him that would indicate they believe he's the Messiah. And the religious leaders who did not believe he was the Messiah, uh, they come to Jesus and say, you need to tell them to stop praising you. They're calling you the Messiah. And Jesus said, don't you know that if they weren't crying out, the rocks would? I'm going to get my praise. I'm going to get my worship. And you know what I think about that? I don't want a rock doing my job for me. God has helped me. God is my hope. God has done so much in my past, in my present. I know he's going to do something in my future. He deserves my praise. I'm going to give him my praise. I'm going to give him my worship. He's worthy of it all. Oh God, I will praise you continually. So, lots of good stuff in Psalm 71. I hope you've been challenged and encouraged.